Your name is the same. It means everything he has for us, everything he has done for us, it remains the same. Nothing about his word where there is any variance. Welcome to WM Ministries, where the people of God, we do believe our God. And we are Jew and Gentile, one in the Messiah. Glory to the Most High God. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I just want to praise God. I, I want to praise him. <laughs> I tell you. See, uh, this media stuff is, is not an interference for me. It's not a, a barrier. It's not a distraction because nothing can separate me from the love of God. Oh, come on, Minister Brian. Our intimacy should even be greater at this time. Because there's nothing that can separate you from your God. It shouldn't be, oh, I, I missed the gathering. I want to be here. But it should be my relationship with my creator is so intimate that nothing can separate me from his love. 
I just want to take my time today because I realize in a more deeper way that if you don't go full motion in your call, your call starts to call you again. <laughs> you can't just be in your call. I realize I will always be a teacher and all what I do, I teach in all of my conversation because that's what I am. But I also realize your call will call you. <laughs> your call will call you, Minister Brian. It will call you. Your call places a demand on you, intercessor, to come higher in your call. <laughs> See, it's a, it's a craving, and I was starving because of my call called me. It's just not the fact that teachers up here teaching. My call called me. <laughs> it's a desperation. There is a hunger. There is a craving to answer your call. Many are called, but few are chosen. Still doesn't mean that if you don't answer the call that you weren't called. Look, but you were called, <laughs> and the call will still continue to call you. Look, whether you answer it or not, whether you fulfill it or not, your call will never stop calling you. Even on your deathbed, you'll be reminded of your call and your unfinished work that you were called to do. I've been craving this moment. I've been scratching at the door of heaven for this moment. I said, Lord, if you'll just give me a moment to expound on your word, to teach people how to hear and to understand and bring illumination and light and insight into your word of God. I said, I'm scratching at the door of heaven. I have a need, the permission from my father. See, I don't just say that I'm going to teach. I got recalled every time I teach. Otherwise, I'm in my flesh. I hear, I need to hear the call to teach. Somebody help me. I need the call to teach. People can preach, they can call themselves a pastor, they can call themselves evangelists, but you must hear the call to evangelize. You must hear the call to teach, the call to pastor. You must hear the call to intercede. There's a call that goes beyond your natural hunger. There's a call, and this is not even in my teaching, but it is in my teaching because he called me. There is a hunger that is needed that's beyond your natural hunger, minister. Shamir. This is why we still seek, search for other things that's outside our call. 
You're searching for other things, other fulfillment, another thing to put your hand on. Put your hand on your call. Doing a business. Let me get this started. I need to get, get your call started. He said, I've been calling you since the day you was conceived. I called you and I sanctified you for this very purpose. I set you apart for this very purpose. I could not teach today except I was called. That pastor, there is an anointing and power that only comes from God that will permit you to change a person's life. You have to be called to change someone's life. This is why it's so important to know you're called because you're called to change someone's life. You're still trying to change your life. You're still trying to find things about you and, and what do I want and what need, I need. The satisfaction, the feeling that I need, the comfort that I need, the calmness that everything's all right that I need. But in this call, it's a different type of calmness. It's in the middle of the storm calmness. All right, we got to get in this message, but I need to let you know that I'm here in this moment because I was called to teach. <laughs> I'm just letting you know because see, you need to have this thirst and hunger if God has called you. And there is a thirst and hunger if you answer the call. Otherwise, there's no thirst or hunger. You just know and heard that you was called, but you didn't answer the call. But when you, <laughs> but when you know, people of God, that you were called, you answer the call. And then you begin to thirst and hunger after it. You begin to chase God after it. What, what, what you saying today? We, we, I, I, I have Minister Al, every time you hear the word, there he go popping up behind my head. He don't care who you're talking, there he go again popping up. It doesn't matter, it wakes him up. Oh, I, I hear you praying. There he go behind you. Two o'clock in the morning. See, you're answering your call as teacher. I need to know how to hear. Wait a minute, I heard the word again. Oh, you're stirring up my gifting of discernment. I hear the call. You're hearing him call you minister. You're, oh, Jesus. See, when you, oh, there's a laid down life and there's a love that come with the call. And I'm not distracted or burdened down by the call. I'm well balanced in my mind by my call. I'm not frustrated in my call. I'm not stressed in my call. I'm stable. I'm well-minded. I'm sober in my mind because I'm in my call. There's nothing stressful about being in your call. It's when you're trying to figure out if it's my call. But today we're talking about spiritual deprivation. We're talking about spiritual 
deprivation. And this is my prayer, which is Psalms 119, 18. Father, open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things in your Torah. Amen. Father, open our eyes that I, we, may behold your wonderful, your wonderful things in your law, in your Torah, in your instruction. Open our eyes so we can see the wonderful things that you have said. See, when Mr. Al was praying on one of the AIM2 meetings, and I heard, I heard the wonderful things. See, what's, what's happening in prayer, Pastor, is that we can't hear because we have spiritual deprivation. Like when you don't have enough sleep. You, you're confused. You're lethargic. You're, you, you want to get back in bed. Oh, you want to sleep some more because you didn't get enough sleep. In this case, we're not getting enough spirituality. You're lethargic. You're tired. You're confused. You get a headache. You hallucinate. So you hallucinate instead of having illumination. We're having spiritual deprivation. This is why it's so important. And I'm like, what's going on with the body of Christ? All what we're seeing, people on all different kind of platforms speaking on the word of God. Not all, but some are in the place of spiritual deprivation. And the question I ask, what is the solution? What is the solution of this spiritual deprivation that's within the body? We're going to get to the solution, but I need to take you here. What we've stopped doing, and this is so true, this is for the evangelist, and this is for the prophet, uh, prophetess, and, and, and this is for the intercessors. This is for all the leaders. This is for everyone. This is for the body of Christ. Is that our light has stopped shining. We are like a lighthouse. Look, we're making the sound from the horn. But there's no light. We are not supposed to be sounding off by a horn. We're supposed to be the light of the world. And what would that look like? We hear that and we sing songs about being the let your light shine and being the light of the world. It is to see our need to depend on Holy Spirit. My question is, what did you think let your light shine me? Okay. I said the same thing too. Mm. <laughs> it is a need. We need to have a need to depend on Holy Spirit. We need to have a need people of God, to depend on Holy Spirit. Look, why? 
to obey. But we don't have the need to depend so that we can obey. Look, and then it says without grumbling. Or, Pastor, I could stop right there. Without grumbling or disputing. Having this among each other and blaming each other. He said, you're blaming and you're, you're grumbling about your service that you're doing. But you're sacrificing. But you're serving, though. He said, see, this is the time behind the scene in our meetings. And your private conversation in your chambers. Uh, in your heart. Is that we are to lean on. This is why I say, where did that question come from? Did you lean on Holy Spirit? Because he come now to lead and guide, not for you to. He said, lean on him, rely on him and all his ways and to acknowledge him. And he will lead and guide you into, look, all things that are true. Oh, okay. I'm telling us this is what we need to do. Oh, we are supposed to be children of God who are not the crooked ones, the ones in a perverse generation. You're not supposed to be named among the perverse generation. Because we are the light of the world that's supposed to be shining among the people of God. This is how, this is what we stopped doing. We stopped loving God, which made us stop loving people, which made you stop evangelizing because you don't love people because you don't love God. We don't evangelize because we don't love God, which makes we don't love people. Okay. Let's go here. We're going to help people with this spiritual deprivation. But let's go first to Revelation 2.5. I haven't quite gotten to the heart of my message yet, but hold on. Minister, Revelation 2.5. Amplify, and then we can do the King. Well, do the King, ver uh, King James Version, and then we'll do Amplify. Yes, ma'am. This is Revelation Chapter 2 at verse 5. The scripture reads, Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. Go ahead and take it to the Amplified. In the Amplified Bible. Remember then from what heights you have fallen. He said, yeah, it was high, it was high. Repent, change the inner man to meet God's will. And do the works you did previously when first you knew the Lord. Or else I will visit you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you change your mind and repent. Unless you aim to and repent. 
reiterating the word. <laughs> I need, I'm going to break this down first of all. I want you to know repent. It's not asking forgiveness for your sins because you've already been forgiven. Can we agree and move from there? We should have just learned that repent really is the leaning on Holy Spirit. This is the leaning on Holy Spirit that causes you to obey, which this is perpetual, which means that you live a life of repentance because you're leaning on Holy Spirit, which causes you to obey. Doesn't make, but he Causes you to obey. Okay? I want you to understand. Repent is an urgent appeal. Look, from Holy Spirit. Oh, my God. Repent is an urgent appeal for instant change of attitude and conduct before it's too late. This is what Holy Spirit does. Because if you lean on him to obey the words of God, he causes you to experience an urgent appeal for instant change. An attitude and conduct before it's too late. I know minister, I know some of us experienced that last year. That you, were, you came to a place where you felt, you, when you begin to lean on Holy Spirit, which calls you to experience the urgency of the appeal to change. Matter of fact, this is instant change. This is the thing that I still talk about when people actually become saved. Is Guess what? The change, being baptized in the Holy Spirit, is instant. Quiet on the set. Holy Spirit, the working of Holy Spirit is now. It's you that's on the timeline, but Holy Spirit is now. Okay. Okay. Only at Walker Ministry. Would you dare teach in this manner? Okay. Yeah, truth. <laughs> urgent <laughs> truth, Pastor. Repent an urgent appeal for instant change of attitude and conduct before it's too late. Look, live this life. Go ahead, Pastor. Live this life of a true Christian before it's too late. How much time have we wasted trying to be saved, working on being saved? This is why the apostles always said, brethren, I beseech you. I earnestly beseech you. I'm begging of you. <laughs> the saints do say he knows my heart. This is what happens with Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit initiates and he energizes his works. Holy Spirit 
initiates and energizes his works, such as love. We know patient, kindness, all that. We're talking about, because love is the, the whole principle that holds up all the other fruits of the spirit. So the spirit, Holy Spirit, initiates and energizes the works of God, such as love. The very thing, Pastor, in which the saints at Ephesus were deficient in. I said, Lord God, I see what you're saying. And I told the minister the other day that I, when I say I see, when I'm reading the word, I don't see, but that's how I hear. When I say I see, it's not with my natural eyes. So when he said, open my eyes and my understanding, it's not my natural eyes because I, oh, I hear by what I see that I don't see. I hear faith because I can't see it, but I see it because I heard it. This is the very thing that the saint of Ephesus pastor was deficient in. So he, oh, okay, I can't quite go all the way there yet. I'm going to talk about, stay with me with love. Why we get deficient in love is that there's causes of erosion of our love. Our, there's erosion of our love for God, thus then the people of God. This erosion of love, it happens through this way. After your hardship. What you've been going through. It comes through your hardship. The erosion of love. The things that you go through. The questions you can't seem to get an answer to. The trials that don't seem to have a reason. The loss of your health may be experiencing what you would perceive as failing health. The loss of hope and even of a loved one. Your love starts to build erosion. But when the wind of the spirit, oh, glory to God. Hey, it came up. I know it came up in your belly. But when the wind of the spirit of the word of God come blowing on such a heart, that's potential for the renewing of the revival. <laughs> this heart <laughs> is, look. Heart is guarded because the blowing of the wind of the word of God guards your heart. You're not hardened by the things of this world. You're not moved because someone died. Oh, my God. To be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. But we mourn, we cry, we can't believe it. Why? He said you ask questions that are too great for you. So just allow the, the wind of the 
spirit of God to blow on you. So go back to Revelation 2.5. We're going to talk about remember. Why did he say remember? Because we're going to forget. And what is this remembering? I don't want to get ahead of myself. I just don't want to do it. (laughs) Remember from what heights you've fallen. You're falling from your first love. That's the height. It's not the thing that you fell into. It's where you, oh, my God. Yes, minister, hear the spirit of God. He said, from the heights that you've fallen from, Satan himself. Look how he's fallen from the heights, the presence of God, from the heights that you've fallen from. From your first love. He's talking about your marriage. You fell from your marriage. This intimate relationship that we had. When we were on what we perceived when you first get married. The the honeymoon stage. He said this is how it's supposed to always be. He said remember from Remember then from what heights you have fallen. From my present, the original place that you were with me. When nothing moved you but my word. With nothing would shake you except my word. Remember from the heights that you've fallen The passion, the intense intimacy, the wisdom, the insight, the revelation that was coming to you. Remember, from the heights that you fall. You fell from your your first love. He said, then repent. He said, you should always have an urgent appeal for instant change. You should have an urgent passion to keep changing the inner man. You should have an intense, urgent passion to change constantly the inner man. Being renewed, being renewed, being renewed, being renewed, being renewed by the image and mind of Christ Jesus that's inside of you. Being renewed, being renewed by the will, by your will, by your will. Being renewed, being renewed by your will. Has already given you himself. Now it's by your will. And how you will experience him. Oh, he said, and do 
the works you did previously when you first knew me. The latter part of this teaching is going to be about to know him because this is what is the solution to it. Your spiritual deprivation is that you need to know him. Amen? He said, or else I will visit. He said, or else I will come. I will come to you and remove your lampstand. This is a symbolic of the menorah and the seven churches. But he's talking about Ephesus, and our foundation is Ephesian Ephesus. He commended them on a lot of all great things besides this one thing. He said, you're deficient in love. And our pastor has given us as the foundation of this ministry, 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. And you are deficient. He knew, pastor, we would be deficient in this one area, love. He said, I commend you on your sacrifice. I commend you that, you, look, that you really, you hate evil and perverted things. I commend you on that. I commend you on your prayer and your intercession. I commend you. I commend you in your study time. I commend you in your worship. But this is this one thing that you're deficient in, Ephesus, your love for me. And each other. He called me to teach. This lampstand, he says, he said, I will remove. What is remove? Let's just briefly talk about that. Remove is obviously to move. Put in motion. He said, I will come and put you in motion. He said, I will come and stir you up. I will come and shake you. I will come and cause you to move. I will cause you to be excited. I will come and move you. He said, I will propel you forward. He said, I'll cause you to move. He said, I will come and look. I will come and remove. We think you remove as to take out. But he said, I will come and I will walk through the lampstand, which is the menorah, which are the churches. He's walking through all the churches, people of God. And he's making up, he's commending us on some things and he's correcting us on others. He says, I'm walking through the menorah. I'm walking through the churches. He said, my seven churches. And I speak these things because this is what I see. But concerning you, Ephesus, concerning you, WM Ministry, this is your one and only deficiency is love. Remove. Mean to set something in motion. He said, I'm coming to set you in motion. I'm coming to propel you by force to go forward. He said, I'm called, I'm coming to disturb you. Oh, 
I'm coming to disturb you. I'm coming to move you with a cause. <laughs> oh, my God. He talks about, so what is this first love? Y'all, I'm still not in to the solution yet. So that's, that's all right, Pastor. <laughs> so what? <laughs> <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> because, Pastor, God has given you that. As you see, if we don't do this, and I thank the Holy Spirit for doing this. I was talking to the minister the other day. Look, I was talking to the minister the other day. Can't help but talking to him because he's always over my shoulder. When I'm talking, I'm talking to God. He just, somebody's always knocking at my spiritual door. <laughs> and I said, I said, there are. Holy Spirit will confirm not only your call, he will confirm all the moves and steps in your life. But he does this through, obviously his word, but through your spiritual leaders, right? Through your study, through your prayer, through your worship, all these things. But the one, the most important thing, because we got to get this. When you question your spiritual leaders. This is what happened because it goes back to being spiritually deprived, right? Is that, and he said, you don't love me, nor do you love each other. It's that if you don't love God, there's no way that you can love each other who you can see, all right? So the word of God says to trust and rely and lean on him. We have to trust God. And then he said, I will give you shepherds after my own heart to feed you with knowledge and wisdom, right? Not understanding. He said, I will give that to you. So if you trust God, you will have to trust the oracle that he sent. So you can't question, if you question the leader that he sent, it really would defeat the very purpose and void it out that you even trust God because this is the person that he sent to speak to you. This is the person. I need y'all with me. This is the person. See, but this is the person who we're seeing. We're not, we're, our relation, we're doing this disconnect with our relationship with God and with men. We're, we're doing the disconnect relationship with the man and woman of God. If you trust God, you must trust the one that he sent because it is his oracle that he sent to be your shepherd, because guess what, and this is going to be a hard thing to digest, but I need y'all to reflect, is that if you question your leader, your shepherd, it is in questioning whether he's your shepherd. That is a hard thing to hear, but it is with great truth. Oh, Jesus uh, see, oh my God, Lord Jesus. I, <laughs> see, God, you, something just happened. I don't mean something just happened when she put this, this seed down. I mean something just happened. For me, something just was imparted in my spirit. For me, something was just imparted in my spirit. Because uh, I saw her coming, but then I saw something else coming. Uh, see, y'all, come on, I need you with me. See, when you see, see, we, 
See, when you see spiritually, what I heard was not what I saw. Because, oh, my God. So let me find my way back naturally. Uh-huh. If you question your pastor, you're really in questioning whether he's your pastor. There's no way, I was telling the minister the other day too, there's no way you can mentor someone and, and they, the mentee feels some kind of way about the mentor. How are you going to receive it? Okay. So what is first love? It is the devotion to Christ. What is first love? It is the devotion to Christ that so often characterizes the new believer, fervent, personal, and uninhibited, excited, and openly displayed life. <laughs> okay? I need us to know. First love. It is the devotion to Christ that so often characterizes the new believer as being fervent, personal, uninhibited, excited, and open display of his relation or her relationship. It's the honeymoon love. The bride and the groom. There's a mystery in this first love. While it's true that mature marriages love deepens, Right? Pastor and I, we have a mature marriage. And it deepens and it grows richer. It's also true that it should never lose the excitement and wonder of those days. I, if I wasn't up here teaching, I would do something unseemly. Like a cheerleader, look. I mean, jump, a split. I don't know what I would do, but right now I just feel like doing something real radical. But I'm gonna maintain my I'm maintain my calmness and go ahead and teach this. <laughs> we got we're talking about I'm losing I'm streamers are you with because I'm losing the one here. <laughs> what is this first love? This is how our relationship's supposed to be. This is why I'm always, Mr. Brown, I'm always like, Pastor, hey, excitement, passion, intimate, hey, it's time for maintenance. It's time, look, we, I, I need to recapture. I need to, we need, look, we need to remember. We need to go back and revisit our first moment. We got to go back and revisit, look, our first moments. When we were, our relationship, no one could enter into it. it uninhibited. We're excited. We, our, look, our relationship was on display. When a husband and wife begin to take each other for granted, and their life becomes to be routine, See, I'm not about routine. The only thing routine about me is my salvation. 
Nothing else is routine about me. Only uh, that is a shirt. Dance star, I need that shirt. So when our lives become routine, then our marriage is in danger. I'm going to work, come home, go to my business, I go to the store, go to Walmart, come back home, we go to church, we do the Zoom. This is why we get up on the Zoom, it's prayer, it's prayer, people. Pastor all excited about the tape, all the mic and the Mevo and everything else. But we're just looking, you know why? Because we're in danger. We're in a stage in our life where there is spiritual deprivation. Okay? Just think of it. It's impossible to serve sacrifice and suffer he says for my name's sake and yet not really love me this is what christ is saying pastor he said it is possible to serve and sacrifice and suffer for my name's sake and yet not really love me The Ephesian believers were so busy maintaining their separation that they were neglecting adoration. Labor is no substitute to love. Labor is no substitute for love. You working in the church is no substitute for love. For God or your spiritual leader. Your labor is not. Let's get that clear. Neither is purity a substitute for passion. With your religious spirit. Go ahead and run. The church must have both if it is to please him. Ah! Lord, God. Fee, Minister Fee, I want you to know, baby girl, you all right? You all right over oh, there? Okay. <laughs> Minister Fee, uh, she done yanked on my baby braid, so <laughs> she all right. We we just we just excited about God. We excited about God. Okay. I know. Send us an invoice. If one. <laughs> she, she all right, V. She all right. Revelation two five. We were talking about therefore remember from where you have fallen. That's what we're talking about here, and repent and do the deeds. Do the deeds that you did at first, and that is in. Your relationship with Christ. Or else, he said, I'm coming to you and I will remove your lampstand out of its place. He said, repent before it's too late. Revelation 2-7. Revelation chapter 2 at verse 7. The scripture reads, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, 
which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Oh, Holy Spirit. He who has an ear, let him hear. That's why I would say, ah, but I see what I can't see. Thus, that's how I hear. And he says, what the Spirit is saying to the churches, he said, I will grant you to eat of the tree of life, which is in paradise. See, the tree of life here is the wisdom and knowledge of God. You may be able to hear his word. Otherwise, you can't perceive what is spiritual. For those who have an ear to hear. For those who are leaning and relying on Holy Spirit, which excite and energize them and compel them to live the life of Christ, follow that will, which gives me the will, out of my, ob my obedience, that will, for the will of the knowledge of the mind of God. And I get to hear it. I get to hear it. I say it again. For those who lean on and rely on Christ. Because it's Holy Spirit now. He said, I didn't leave you as an orphan. I left you with a helper. The Holy Spirit, the revealer of truth. So if you lean and rely on the revealer of truth which will cause you to obey my will and not your will. Now your spirit, your inner man, which is that ear, the inner man, will hear what's been said already in paradise. The inner man will hear. Because the helper, which is the revealer of truth, only can release your access to him through your obedience. Hearts are not open to Christ. See, we hear, but we don't understand. We hear the messages all these years, but we haven't been understanding them. And if we fail to respond to what he has already, look, already revealed. Because he revealed things just by a command. When he, and this is so important, ministers. When God commands you to do something, you better do it. Because if not, first of all, he's commanding you to do something so he can reveal something to you. And if you don't, look, if you don't obey the command of what is to be revealed... That will be taken away from you, what you already have, what you already have learned, and more besides. Mm -hmm. If we fail to respond to what he has already revealed, and for us, is that we're deficient in love, then we will stand to lose what we already understand. Look, what you already understand, but it's still not yet revealed. Oh. 
this is important. I got to go. God commands us to do things. You have to know that it's not man. But look, you don't know because there's spiritual deprivation. And there's a certain way that to, we need to respond to the spirit of the voice of God through men. Because there is, he instructs you how to respond to his word. You don't look, if not, it's you going or doing, and you, there's no revealing of what the Holy Spirit said. You just doing church formality. I'm there and I prayed, but what did God say for the church? And he puts it in the inner man. If you see, this is how we stop growing. We stop understanding and we stop having revelation. There's no more revealing from the revealer of truth. The spirit, when Jesus promised to send another helper, the spirit of truth, he said, I will not leave you, as I said, as orphan. I come to you who initiates prophecy. Holy Spirit himself says, I come to you. The one who initiate prophecy. Which is the source of all spiritual revelation and illumination. We are missing our spirituality. We're having these natural encounters with our God. Which is starving our spiritual inner man. I got to say that again. The spirit. When Jesus promised to send another helper. The spirit of truth. You don't have to try to figure it out. What he's saying. What he's not saying. Because he said. I'm sorry, this is already solved for you. I'm sending the spirit of truth. And he said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Minister, he comes to you personally himself. And then he initiates the prophecy within you that he already said. He said, I will initiate what I already said about you. I will. Look, oh, Jesus. I, I'm in my word. I'm in you. I'm all around you. He said, but I come personally as your helper. You don't, being a Christian shouldn't be hard. You know why? He said, because I come personally. You don't have to all oh, this. I need to. I need to go to seminary school. I need to do this. I need to do that. I need to go to a conference. I'm listening to this pass. I'm listening to that. That is the problem. Sit down somewhere. Be rooted in one place. Settle yourself. Settle yourself in your minds and your thoughts. Because he said, "I am your personal revealer of truth." He said, I will initiate prophecy, for I'm the source of all spiritual revelation and illumination. 
I bring even the deeper insights and mysteries of myself to you. Why are you confused? Why you don't know where you're going? Why you, why you question your relationship with God? Why do you question your relationship with me now? What did you hear? What did they say? I warn you that they were, wolves will come out. I warn you. And I have already prayed for you that they wouldn't overtake you. To renew your love for Christ, renew Christ's love for you. To renew your love for Christ, renew Christ's love for you. Again, remember from where you're falling. Getting to the solution. The solution to our spiritual deprivation, deprivation and the reality of knowing God. It is in the reality of knowing God. This is the solution. Seven steps. One. Then we talk about doing our first works over. Confess. Romans 10, 9 through 10. Because that's where your first works. Your first love was at Romans 10.9. Those were your moments with him. Number two, eternal life. To know God and to know Jesus. John 17.3. This is eternal life. This will be the area I will be teaching on as the solution is uh, number two, eternal life. Believe that he is, Hebrews 11, 6. That's three. Believe that he is. Baptize. 11, 6. Believe. Four, baptize. Matthew 28, 19 and Acts 2, 38. receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Six, deny yourself and pick up your cross. Deny yourself and pick up your call. Pick up your works. Pick up your mission. Deny yourself and pick up your works, your mission, your responsibility as to why God called you, why he saved you, why he apprehended you. Pick up your call. Each and every believer has a call. Seven, fear the Lord. Proverbs 9.10. I just have to read this in the New Living Translation. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment.
Number eight, obedience. The greatest commandment is to love God with all our heart and strength. But implicit in that love is obedience. But in that love is obedience. Because he said, if you love me, you will obey me. Love and obedience goes together. Genuine love for God works out in strict obedience to God. Apart from obedience to the Father, there is no love for God and there is no kingdom of God. Let's go to our solution. John 17, verse 1 through 5, ESV. John chapter 17, beginning at verse 1. In the English Standard Version, it so reads, When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. For you have given him, since you have given him authority, over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, Glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. My God. <laughs> oh. This is considered to be really the Lord's Prayer. This is the Lord's Prayer. This is said to be the longest prayer in scripture and the timing. And at the same time that Jesus was praying for us, he was teaching his disciples at the same time. He actually tell you how to pray. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven. What is that? This was an attitude of prayer. It's that before he approached the presence of the Father, he had already accumulated the thoughts and the will of the Father with the intent that when he approached his presence, he was already in agreement. And so now, Father. Oh, my God. That's when you say Father. He said, I gather up all my thoughts and align them to the Father. And I went with the intent 
that we're in agreement. And now I say, Father. Pastor, they are one. See, this is the thing, Pastor. He didn't say, my father, our father. He said, Father. It is one. But this is what, this is the lifting up. And that when I said, Father, I was lifting up the prayer of agreement that we are all one. And I say, Amen. This is the attitude of prayer to lift up. This is why I lift up my head to heaven and I say, Father. Because there's a lifting up of your word. I'm getting ready to, um, intercessor, pastor, he said, I'm getting ready to lift up your word to you. And I'm in agreement with your word. I lift up my head because I'm in agreement. There's a lifting up of your word. I'm, I'm getting ready. Prayer is a lifting up of his word, minister. Prayer is a lifting up. People of God, prayer is a lifting up of his word. This is why you say, and you start off with, Father. You don't have to go, my or our father, because that's just, in, look, in your conversation privately. But when you stand before the people of God, you got to say, Father. Because there's, this time is a time of lifting up your word. Oh, we lifting up, look, truth. We're lifting up truth to truth. Uh -huh. There's a lifting up. There is a lifting up. And that's why he didn't need to search for anybody else to agree. Because he lifted up truth to truth. And truth bear truth to itself. He said the hour has come. He said my pain and anguish is here now. It has arrived. He said this is the hour of my pain and suffering. My my anguish. He said, this is the time of darkness. But what was greater? He said, this is the time also to glorify your son. That's what's his focus. His focus wasn't on the pain. Get your mind off him being nailed on the cross. Get your mind off his pain and suffering. Because his mind was on him being glorified so that the father will be glorified. He said, the hour has come. For this pain and suffering and anguish. He said, but he said, glorify. He said, but glorify your son. So that the son may glorify you. He said, bring on the suffering and pain. Glorify your son through the suffering and pain. So I can glorify you. Open the door for suffering and pain. Because it has a purpose. It's for the entire generation of humanity. Open up. The hour has come for my anguish. The hour has come for my darkness. He said, but glorify me. Glorify your son. He said, so that your son may glorify you. 
so that the works that I've done, which are finished now, that's in your name. That's how you're glorified because my works that I have done. That's why they said, let the works that I do speak for me. That is the old saying. Let the works that I've done speak for me. He said, let it glorify you because I did these works in your name that men may know you. He said, this is what's being glorified. It's the, the works that I've done in your name that man should know you. That man should know you. In quotes, that man should know you. Since you have given him authority, he said, since you have given authority over all mankind to give eternal life to all whom you have given me. And there's only a certain sect you have given me. He said, and this is eternal life. That you and you and you know me. He said that you know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you sent. They only going to know that he was sent through you. We are now to glorify the Father through our works. This is why Jesus said, I wish that there would be one as you and I are one. I glorify you on earth, he said, having accomplished the work that you gave, that you gave me to do. See, there's work. There's work to do. There's work to do. Your car, you have to hurry up and find it out. He said, he said having accomplished that. That you gave me. And now, Father, he says, glorify me in your own presence. With your character. Your attributes glorify me with that in your presence. He said, uh, with the glory that I had, he said, with you before the, even the world existed. With us, before I even was forming my mother's womb, glorify me. The way that I was supposed to be before I was existing in this natural body. Oh. The hour is come. That is the appointed time for his suffering death. Glorify the son. Is to give to the world demonstration that I, that I am the son. He didn't say, save me from this pain. He said, so just don't even sustain me. He said, just glorify me. He didn't even ask to sustain me and keep me. He didn't ask to be kept. He didn't ask to be kept. He said, just glorify me. Because I've completed your work. What you were saying when he said glorify me, he said, manifest thy power in my death, resurrection and ascension. So, see, this is how you're, you can be glorified is through your death. Your resurrection, your new life. So that they know that I am your son and I was sent by you. He wants to know the spreading of the good news and the conversion of sinners by all what we do. 
that he may be glorified because we're spreading the good news. We're honoring God by how we live. We're exalting him in our mind and how we think. We are obeying him because we love him. This is where it, um, that to know, I, want, I need y'all that with that to know. Got to give you my little walk with to know. This is a conversation I had with God. I said years back, I was in my early 20s, maybe 23, and I said, Lord God, I said, I want to, I want to know you. And as you've heard in this, in this teaching, this is what it's about. That's eternity. That's eternal life, is to know him. I didn't know I was asking for eternal life. I didn't know that I was asking to experience eternity. I said, I want to know you. I, sat, I was sitting in the middle of my kitchen floor. And he said back to me instantly. If you have a heart to seek God. He says search me. With all your heart. And you will find. I went to my father. With all my heart. And I said. I want to know. I didn't go to seminary school. Prior to. I went after. I went to the father first. And I said, I want to. I don't want to know what other men call. And he said to me instantly, and it's Brian, to know me is to know my word. To know my word. Jesus wrapped in flesh, came in my form, walked to one man, and they didn't recognize, they didn't know him. They saw him as a mere carpenter. Then as I was saying, I want to, to know, to know, what was I asking? And this to know, minister, it put me on the path to my call. It put me on the path to my call, and I've never stopped craving my father. Hmm. To know him is to be acquainted with his character, what he's like. The expression of his mind. The view of God. From his perspective. You get to experience a supreme affection above all else. To know God is to know and regard him as a lawgiver of instruction, of in teaching. A parent, a friend. It is to yield your whole soul to him and to obey his law. To know him is to obey him. 
My time, 10 minutes. I want y'all to know, even in the animal kingdom, death is as important than life. Why? Because when they migrate, there's an innate directive that commands them to shift and move and to another season. In the animal kingdom, death, they realize death is equally important than life. I was watching the History Channel with the animals with my grandson to me. I saw, I saw a relationship with me and the father. <laughs> we started having conversation and about death. And I saw the Willoughby's running, running, but migrating. And then it was a certain time, look, they knew they had to move, not because they were being chased, but because there's a built-in, look, directive, a command that commands them to move forward, even if some die. Because guess what? It's for the other generations. They, would, they had to jump over the rivers where the alligators were. I mean, full of alligators. And they would, they looked, but, but they were, look, propelled to move forward. They had to cross over. Some cross over in death. But there is a migration. Even they know when the season changed. They recognize, why don't we? Why we don't know the appointed times of God? The next season is the mode of operation. They know their next mode of operation. They know their next change of position. They know, look, how they should move to what they need to move towards. The animal know their move. Amen. They know the hour when, it's, when it comes. That they know that this is a time of darkness and suffering. But I have to move forward. What is death? It's the greatest paradox of life. And there is a significance in some deep abiding meaning of death. One that transcends our ability to understand. But death has an answer, I said. In my conversation to the Holy Spirit, it has an answer. When we went on the mount, I, that was the thing, thank you, Holy Spirit, that when I opened my eyes and I looked, look, I lift up my head to my father. And I said, is what he said in me, death has an answer. And he also gave me that the, he said to rise, pray for the people of God to arise, arise, arise in your anointing, arise in your calling, arise, arise. That's what he gave me. And he gave me that death as an answer. It has a purpose. It has an unveiling who you really are. That's the answer to death. 
there were, I'm going to make this short and sum this up. There were a, um, there was this young guy who was doing wartime, was riding his bike, and he was giving a message. He had to deliver a message. And on his way going, there was a bomb that went off. And some of the leaders ran to him, and he was still conscious. And he said, Derek Bellfall reporting, message through. He got the message through. They actually drew and depicted a picture of him with that saying, just that one word, through. He, that was his last word, minister. Derek Bellfall reporting. Message through. This is what's so important, even in death. This is, look, that's who he truly was. Look, he was a messenger. And he got, he ensured he got his, look, even his job and what we do, mission is dangerous, he said, but his last word didn't cry for his mom. He didn't call out his wife and his children. He identified his call, and he said, message sent and went through. Death is a separation. It's a, it's a state where you cease to function. You shouldn't be functioning the same way now. The second death is that is you're consigned to the grave. You shouldn't be speaking now. <laughs> Should be the will of God that speaks. The third moment in death, when your name is spoken for the last time. This is the thing. This is what happened with this gentleman. Because it said who you truly are. It said your death. You must die first so that we all get to experience who you truly are. Death reveals glory, the true place. Death answers your life purpose. Death authorized the spiritual ability to perceive our eternal creator and eternity. The cross exemplifies completion of work, no limits to suffering. You're going to complete your work, and there's no limit to the suffering. Mm, I am almost there. We're going to read Matthew 16, 23 through 24. Matthew chapter 16 at verse 23. 
But Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. For you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Verse 24. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get thee behind me. And he spoke that Peter, his mind was not on the things of God. That's why he said, get behind me. This is what happened in church, spiritual deprivation. You think you're helping out. Look, we think we're helping someone out, but you're not. You're doing what's good, but it's not what's best, which means that it's not the will of God. We're going to go really quick here. I think I have about maybe two minutes. There are, in relationship to the phrase to know God, the Old Testament really houses the thoughts of to know God. But Amos 5, 4, with all the other scriptures, sums it all up. Amos 5, 4 really speaks to, for seeking God means seeking to know him. To know God is necessary for true life. Okay? Mm. I want to talk about discipleship under knowing God. They're the ones, we're the ones, not only know God, but we hear the voice of God. And his deeds we see in action. A disciple, as we know, is obedient. Is one who keeps his word. As his heart hears what the Father is saying. He is one who has accepted the Master, Jesus Christ. They have, we have accepted him as our Master, which means those that you have put under, those that you're un or those that are over you, are the ones to actually still be in that place. Y'all did some stuff and moving around that distracted the move of the Holy Spirit, but I'm going to get that. That's very important. I'm going to let you all know that. That's very important because when you're, when you're in a place, um, so I'm going to go ahead and end. Go ahead and end. I really pray that um, we have come to the place. Someone can move this real quick because I'm at my time. Glory to the most high God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
you always have to really realize when God is done, you're done. And I am so thankful that I am not a man pleaser or that when a person can't perceive or understand the actions of God, that I'm moved by it. And, and your, what's coming forward in your life with this being propelled and going forward and knowing God is that you will realize that you're going to be asked to do some things that people will not see God. And this is because they don't, look, have the mind of God and the things that are important to him so they can't perceive it. And because there's spiritual deprivation. And so for the things and, and to how we need to get back to that place, we have to go back to our first work. And our first work is those moments, really at Romans 10, 9, and 10. We need to go back, what we confess, why you confessed it, the need of a Savior. When it comes to prayer and knowing that this is that I'm already in agreement. I don't, do, I don't have to pump myself up to believe because I do believe because I'm compelled by Holy Spirit, which is the reveal of all truth. And this is why a lot of people are still searching so many different places for truth because they are not allowing Holy Spirit to be the one which is called to be the helper, the one that has been called to work along with, aside of, amen. I pray that then grab the word of God that I know that is able to save your soul, allow, permit you to have a sober mind, has richly found a place in your inner man, and you have been instantly changed. And there is no longer a spiritual deprivation, but there's an elevation in your spiritual inner man because of the engrafted word that you've heard today. Shalom. Thank you all for joining us, those who are streaming with us, those who are here. We thank you always that there's a time also to continue in your worship and your giving. If you want prayer, need prayer, please uh, put that in the chat. We want to still be here for you. Uh, don't allow this media format that we have to be a barrier for your spiritual growth. Amen. We love you. Pastor and I love you.